welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. So we're uh, starting Matthew 7 today, coming to kind of the home stretch of the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous and most foundational uh, teachings in the Bible, um, in the New Testament. And uh, it's kind of interesting as we get toward the end of the sermon here, we're going to, I think, see Jesus give some statements um, that help to apply this sermon rightly, because it's easy to read Jesus's words and sometimes to take them to different extremes. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, in some ways, is giving us some guardrails at the end here for how to apply the sermon to ourselves, uh, how to apply it at times to others, and what what some some do's and don'ts kind of here at the end of the sermon. Yeah, and so for starters, it's more so going to be how how not to approach a brother or sister in Christ or how not to approach a fellow citizen in the kingdom is going to be the idea. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump in. I'm going to read Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, reading from the New American Standard Bible. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the same way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay. Uh, One of the more famous verses in the Bible right here that gets thrown around a lot. uh, Judge not lest ye be judged, uh, I think is the King James. Yeah, and take take the log out of your own eye. You hear that thrown around a Uh lot as well. And uh, both good stuff. You know, Jesus said it. (laughs) But helpful to see it in its context, because I think one of the challenges to this text is a lot of people, um, you know, throw this judge not. Those two words get thrown around a lot from Jesus. Jesus said not to judge. Jesus said judge not. The Bible said not to do that. So don't judge me. Leave me alone. Don't tell me how to live my life. Right. And if you've been reading the Sermon on the Mount, you know that that's not what Jesus has been doing. I mean, he's been all up in our business. Uh, talking about how we live our life on every different level, getting into our hearts. And, and so Jesus is giving a warning about how we apply his teaching. And specifically, it's a warning against hypocritical yes. judgment and not against all judgment. I mean, you can't read the book of Acts and say, oh, look at Jesus' followers. They don't tell anybody they're wrong. No, no it's full of people going out and saying, repent, you need to change. But... There's a critical difference between someone telling others to repent and someone telling others to repent when they're first applying it to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point here is Jesus is saying, this sermon I've just preached to you, all these hard things I've said, yeah, apply this to yourself first. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you become a hypocritical judge and defeat the purpose of this sermon. Yeah, I mean, there's no getting around it. I've heard it put this way, that the gospel is confrontational by nature, just in the way it is. It's saying, stop doing that, or do this. Do it this way now. It's confrontational to everything we believe or how we're acting. And so don't be surprised when there are times we're going to have to point that out to somebody. Hey, do you realize your, your life isn't in line with what Jesus said? Um, 
And when we see a brother or sister or just somebody sinning in general, we're discerning what they're doing is wrong. And so we're judging their actions and we're even condemning their actions. But there's still a need to look at ourselves first before we point those things out. That's right. And Jesus is trying to clear that up here. And when we start with ourselves, we're in a much better position to compassionately but truthfully uh, speak the truth to others and say, hey, like, this is something that the Lord expects of me too. But let's help each other. Like, I see that there's this area where you're falling short. Uh, God has helped me see that in my own life, maybe. And uh, here's what I'm doing to repent. Let's repent together is really the idea behind this. And Jesus gives another statement in uh, verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. One of the things that Jesus is pointing out here is that our judgment from God at the end is going to be in part based on our judgment of others. And Jesus is not saying here that we can be like, oh, great, well, I can just not judge anybody, and then God will let me off the hook at the last day. It's not a loophole or anything like that. (laughs) He's just saying, realize that if you are someone who's not applying this first to yourself, and you're using the Sermon on the Mount as a hammer, and everybody looks like a nail, then you're going to be the nail on the Day of Judgment, basically, is the, the and, idea. And this is a familiar concept. Uh, back in chapter 5, in verse 7, one of our Beatitudes, um, we might remember Jesus saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And there's a true sense in which that's true of God. Um, Matthew 18 has a lot to say about that. But there's also, that's just a general principle that's true and how we treat other people. If we're, if we're someone that shows a lot of mercy to someone, then when we're in the same boat, it's going to be easier for them to show a lot of mercy to us. That's right. You saw the same thing in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's the same concept. And right after the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father exactly. will forgive you. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you don't forgive others, your Father won't forgive you. Yeah, exactly. So it's the same principle. And then he gives the famous, uh, you know, speck and the log um, analogy. Uh, different words are used there, you know, a, a moat and a plank, yeah. I think is the old King James. And I like to point out here, I think we have in other places, Jesus is being funny here. I, I do think this would be a very funny thing as you think about him being a, a public speaker as he's delivering this speech. And he's putting in our minds this guy who has this log, this beam sticking right. out of his head. Telephone pole. Yeah, and here he's walking up to a guy pointing out the speck in his. I mean, you could probably just Google cartoons of this, and it would be a humorous thing to picture. And isn't sin on the surface? It's easy to make fun of ourselves when we look at it, but it's just sometimes just so hard to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Jesus' whole point here, is you can't do that. You need to first look at yourself, realize the speck that's in your own eye, and then take it out yep. so that you can be helpful. Yeah, and he ends, you know, for the common misconception here, they're like, you're never allowed to judge anyone. He says at the very end of this in verse 5, once you get the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He wants us to help each other. He wants us to judge each other without hypocritical judgment. Once we have applied this sermon to ourselves, then we will be able to see more clearly. And I mean, isn't that true? That just if we're trying to help people get out of sin, we have our own unrepented sin then it's a lot more difficult to do that. Um, but this is an example of unhypocritical judgment. First, I look at myself and say, I've got to work on me. And then 
I can humbly, helpfully go to my brother and say, hey, um, let's talk about the spec. Let, let me just say, I think it's really easy to put ourselves in that position of things where we go, all right, well, let me make sure I get the spec out. That's Jesus' point. But let me just also talk from the perspective of someone who's been the guy with the beam in his eye. A, it's really helpful whenever someone is willing to come up and say, Chase, you really have a problem here that needs to be addressed. What makes it even better is when I love that person and they're sincere and they don't have a speck in their own eye. It makes it easier to receive that counsel and that advice um, when they've done this. And so I think we can see ourselves on both sides of this at times. And that's an important thing to do. But the Lord's church and the kingdom that Jesus is talking about here, there are going to be multiple occasions where we're going to have to help someone. We're going to point out something that they're doing that's wrong, and this is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. So this section is kind of connected with verse 6. Um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. We're in Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So... It's, this is kind of a tricky statement that Jesus makes. It's maybe a little harder to understand um, than the previous section. But I think it's an important balance that um, in 7, 1 through 5, he says, apply this sermon to yourself first. Mm-hmm. But here he's basically saying, but as you apply this to others, don't force it down someone's throat. Mm-hmm. Like Realize when you're dealing with someone who is a dog or a pig and they don't appreciate what you're trying to give them. And there's there's going to be judgment calls. I mean that that mm-hmm. is purely what what is going on there. You're you're going to have to discern what they're doing and decide if it's worth getting into or not. And mm-hmm. there's a process about how to do that. That's what verses one through five is talking about. But now in verse six, he's saying, don't waste your time. Don't spin your wheels on certain people or certain situations that you know aren't going to be fruitful. Right. And that's that's hard. That's hard to know when uh, is someone acting like a dog or a pig here, because the idea is these are unreasoning animals. They don't. If something's holy, they don't know that. If they've got uh, pearls, something really valuable and rare, um, they don't know that. They're just gonna attack you, you know. And and that's true. And, and we see this lived out in Jesus's ministry when he's going from town to town. And if he gets to a place, and they don't want to listen. And they reject him. He doesn't spend all his time being like, no, but like, listen, like you need to. He's like, he wipes the dust off his feet and he moves to the next town. And that's not to say that they can never repent now. Mm-hmm. But Jesus does not bang his head against a wall, like trying to force someone to repent. There's a time to recognize they don't realize the value of what's in front of them. And so I'm going to move on to someone who does. Yeah. And it, it might be hard, this verse, for some, because there there's no exact formula given to us, but that's for a good reason. Every situation is going to be vastly different from the other because you're dealing with people's hearts. And the fact of the matter is, is we can't see someone's heart. Only the Word of God can. Only it is capable of truly discerning and being able to narrow down what's going on in someone's heart. And so the best we can do is just give them that. Give them God's Word to do that job. It's not right. up to us. And again, both the, the previous section and this verse uh, give us those guardrails, right? It is Jesus has given us an incredibly helpful, soul-searching sermon. And he says, okay, first, make sure you do not just hammer people with this without first looking at yourself. And also realize there's going to be some people who do not appreciate this. Mm-hmm. And they're going to trample it underfoot and they might attack you. It's not your job to make everybody accept my word. It's our job to present it to people 
and to help people as best we can. But there's going to be people out there who do not want it, and it's not our job to force them to take it. And so each of these things are giving us those guardrails for how to apply and use these teachings of Jesus as we try to help others. And I'll say, when those times come to, to stop casting our pearl before swine and whenever we make that decision to do that, it's so important to keep the door open as well. Um, you might have to come and bring that study or that discussion to a close, but still leave the door open so that if they come to their senses and if they start reasoning through what Jesus said and they want to make changes, they feel comfortable coming back to you. That's right. And talking to you about that. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Right. I mean, with the disciples, he's so patient. Uh, and even with others. You know, Nicodemus, people. I think about him specifically. Jesus kept that door wide open for him. That's even right. though Nicodemus, it seems like early on in the Gospel of John, in chapter 3 and in chapter 7, he just keeps walking out. But Jesus leaves it open for him. He wasn't ready to change till the end, right. but there was still that opportunity exactly. given to him. Yeah, so let's go ahead and read these next few verses. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So, Jesus here, again, this section can feel a little disjointed. Like Now we're back to talking about prayer, uh, and this is a helpful addendum to what Jesus says back in chapter 6 about prayer and the nature of God, how we ask him for things. But I think in the, at the end here, one of the things that's important to recognize is that we need God's help in applying this sermon. Jesus is not just placing a burden on the shoulders of people that's impossible for them to bear. Okay, you got to be totally perfect and there's no mercy and like you got to do all these things in the sermon. It's like, no, like if you need help, ask God for help. Seek, knock. You know, yeah. God is there to help you with this. You're not on your own in changing your character and changing your life, God will help you through this. You know, for the longest time, Stephen, I didn't really think about the progression of this in verse 7, just just the first general asking. And so, it's kind of not informal, but there's still a formal approach to it. Then there's seeking. It gets more involved. I'm, I'm going to seek this out, and then I'm going to knock. That means you've made it there, and you're knocking on the door. And Basically, I think the idea here is is you're not going to stop at anything to want to reach this this spiritual maturity that God can offer, and we want to go to Him to ask for that. Right. And this is important to note here that this is not a blank check health and wealth gospel thing. Like, well, I prayed to God for it. Why isn't it on my doorstep? You know, like, no, He's talking about spiritual things here. And uh, when He says, actually, kind of toward the end of this, um, in verse eleven, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, in the parallel account in Luke 11, verse 13, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those mm -hmm. who ask him? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's important to note that, again, this is not a blank check passage, uh, ask, seek, and knock, but it's what Jesus is saying. As you wrestle with what I've just taught you, don't let go of God. You keep asking, seeking, knocking. And when you do, when you seek the Lord and seek his help, he will answer. He is a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And so when we, practically speaking, come across a Bible teaching or something that Jesus said that we don't understand, or any book of the Bible, uh, book of the Bible for that matter, are we the type of people that just give up? 
and we just go, well, I don't understand this. This is weird and just move on. This is a hard saying. Yeah. Who can understand there it? There you go. Or are we going to be people who are going to seek out the answers, pray about it, read more in context, ask other brothers and sisters in Christ what their thoughts are on a passage. We need to have that attitude of wanting to learn and know more. And uh, i just like to point out, we, we talked about this back in the Gospel of Mark, um, season one, that that was the whole purpose of Jesus' parables. Well, one of the many purposes of his parables was not only to, to give this, this spiritual application in people's lives, but to kind of weed people out. Mm-hmm. Who was going to ask about this and who was just going to go, well, that's weird, and walk away and never think about it ever again. That's right. That was one of the big reasons he taught in parables. Matthew 13, 10 through 17, Jesus explains that. That's right. And that's where I always thought when I read that, that like Jesus was just being arbitrary and being like, well, I chose you guys to explain things to. But I think the idea is when his disciples come to him privately and ask him, he's like, to you, you people asking me, you're the ones I'm going to give the information to. Because mm-hmm. everybody outside, I'm just giving them the parable. I'm not giving them the explanation. But anyone who asks will receive. And so that it's powerful to see how Jesus uses this principle of asking you will receive throughout his teaching. But we have to be willing to ask him, to keep seeking, keep knocking. And that's who the promise is for. I love this analogy Jesus uses of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important for us to see God as a good Father and to realize that any good parent is not just going to give their kids every single thing the kids ask for. You know, it, there, are, there are perhaps parents like that, and we can see what kind of kids it produces. Mm-hmm. It, it's, the kids are miserable. The parent just gives them whatever they want. Uh, my kids would eat a whole lot more, uh, you know, like sugary <laughs> sweets, sweets, all that. Mine too. <laughs> And it's, it's understanding both sides of this. One, God is a good father means that you're not going to get everything you want. Um, that he knows better than you do what you need, just like we know better than our kids do. And we sometimes may not even be able to explain fully to our kids, whatever their level of understanding is, why we're not giving them this or that. Um, and I think that's true with us and God. I mean, like, there's times where I don't think God, because of our limitations, you know, uh, we don't fully understand why this is, must not be a good gift or something. But the other part of it is, if it really is good, God is going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses, again, I think this is kind of humorous, you know, uh, what dad is there, his son's asking him for bread. All right, kid, here's a rock. You know, or, oh, can I please have a fish to eat? Or here's a snake, you know. (laughs) These are kind of ridiculous, like, he's not going to give you a bad gift. Uh, I've heard it put this way before. Um, Sometimes we are asking for a snake and God gives us a fish. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's so important as we think about prayers, we think about what we pray for. To remember that God, he has the bigger picture of things. That That's what makes him the wise father in this analogy. He knows what's best for us because he sees what's coming. We don't always see what's coming. We're short-sighted. There's a good friend of ours who talks about this busy road that him and his wife once lived on. Very busy road, and a lot of semi-trucks would go by. And him and his son were outside playing, and his son was kicking a soccer ball. The soccer ball went across the street, and his son went to run to go get the soccer ball. And there was a big truck coming. And his son, of course, is laser focused on getting his ball. But the father sees what's about to happen and shouts, stop. And the kid stops. He obeys. 
and the truck goes by, and the father says go, and he goes and gets the ball. And he was using that analogy. There's a lot of good parenting things there, by the yeah. way. But the, more so, the analogy he was using with this was to make the case that God, he sees the semi-truck coming. And sometimes we get so laser-focused on what we want that we're not looking up to see the semi-truck that's coming. And so when God doesn't grant us what we want or, or gives us something different, it's likely or almost always because he's got this bigger picture of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And we're just so short-sighted sometimes, and I think forget that. And so when we pray to God asking him for things, be prepared for him to say no and it not come to fruition. Or it might happen much later in life. I don't know. But know that God is looking at the bigger picture of things. Yeah. What Jesus is doing in this sermon and referring to God as a father. I mean, he did that back in chapter 6 when he says, Pray this way, our Father who is in heaven. And here he talks again in verse 11 about how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. It, Jesus is in seeking to instill trust in the Father that we're not serving just a cruel dictator God. He has absolute authority, but he's using it for our good. A father has authority over his children, but he uses it for their good. He loves his kids. He wants to see his kids do well. but he, So he's going to discipline his kids. He's going to take care of them. And as a father, I love giving good things to my kids. Things that I know, oh man, they're going to love this. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and planning ahead for birthdays or whatever and yeah. giving them gifts. And God knows, and I think he delights in giving good gifts to his children. But there are times where we get so fixated on why don't I have this or don't have that that we, we it's easy to not trust the Father mm -hmm. and say, if the Lord has seen fit that this is where I'm at, I'm going to trust Him. That He knows what I can handle. He knows what I need. And I will just ask and seek and knock for His help with whatever it is that He's given me because He is my good Father in heaven. Yep. And He'll take care of me. Yep. Amen. So... Um, this leads to, uh, I guess, what we'll use as the last verse of this section, verse 12, uh, very famous, uh, Matthew 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Golden rule, man. It is the golden rule. Uh, I don't know where the title golden rule came from, but... It's been around a long time. and yeah. I, I think it goes back to the first couple of centuries, if I'm not mistaken, if not a little before then. Oh, interesting. Um, we'll have to go check that out sometime. Yeah. So Jesus here, I really feel like in some ways this is kind of the a concluding comment because everything after this that we'll get into on the next uh, podcast, Lord willing, is really like, okay, you've got a decision to make. After verse 12, it's going to be you, there's two gates, you know, two ways to live your life, two ways to build your house. You need to make a decision now. But this is kind of summing up so much of what Jesus has been talking about. He says, listen, when it comes to treating other people this way, it all boils down to this. You treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Which is really what Jesus is saying with the two greatest commands, right? I mean, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What What's really cool about this in Jesus' want for us to think about others, he tells us to think about ourselves. And it's like it's the only context in which it's okay to think about yourself. <laughs> but it's in it's in wanting to do good to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so take that pride we're sometimes wanting to have within ourselves and turn that on its head and say, no, think about how you would want to be treated if you were in that situation. So I think that's a really cool kind of correction he gives to pride there. Yeah, That's neat. 
I've also heard it pointed out, I, I forget which philosopher it was, but like, I may have been like Socrates or like one of those guys uh, who said, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. And it's kind of an interesting backdrop to this statement of Jesus, because which one is harder to do? To just not do something, it's like, oh, I don't want them to do that to me, so I won't do it to them. Or what Jesus says in the positive, do to others what you want them to do to you. Well, it's always easier not to do something. Right. Yeah. Jesus raises the standard um, from perhaps what these other people had heard before and says it's not just about not doing things to others because that it, it, it's a, some responsibility, but it's not a lot of responsibility. It's basically, well, I, I just won't do anything to my neighbor. But Jesus say, no, you love your neighbor. You do to other people what you want them to do to you. That requires a lot more of me. I have to be active. I have to be considering the needs of my neighbor and what they need. And I mean, this is actually this is something that uh, we're consistently quoting this verse with our four-year-old. Um, she loves her little one-year-old sister very much, but often is doing things to her sister that we know. Like, okay, think about it. If she did that to you, how would you feel? And sometimes we'll gently do the same thing to her and show her, like, do you see now, like, how she feels? And Jesus is getting us to think outside of ourselves with yeah. this command. Empathy. Is that the right word mm -hmm. there? Try to put yourselves in the shoes of somebody else. Um, and that, that is just so important for us to do. We're not to determine how someone ought to be treated based off of what they deserve, but based off of what we want them to do for us. And that kind of goes back to our whole idea of blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mm -hmm. mercy. I mean, right. what what would your state be like if everyone treated you the way that you deserved? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it would be chaos. But instead, Jesus is saying, think about how you would want to be treated. You want to, you would want to be shown mercy or, or whatever have you. But uh, it's a hard muscle to train, and uh, it's mm -hmm. encouraging to hear that you're training your kids that way, Stephen. And, of course, my wife and I are striving to as well. But it is just so important because... In the kingdom, this is the idea of, of people who are poor in spirit, um, thinking about other people and not just about themselves, but being humble and serving. And also just say this, um, the importance of this not only hinges on the fact that Jesus said it, but it also hinges on the fact that he said, this is the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful statement that I sometimes overlook. Yep. And this is really similar. Uh, Paul will say something very similar to this in Romans chapter 13 when he's talking about love being the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus doesn't say, love your neighbors yourself, but this is the same basic principle. He sums everything up. Um, he says in Romans 13 verse 9, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's very parallel to what Jesus says here. This is the law and the prophets. All that thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, like all of that stuff, if you boil it all down, do to others what you want them to do to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that will check all the other boxes. Mm -hmm. Any other commandment boils down to this, which again, it makes this a great concluding statement for kind of, the sermon before he gets into like the application and the two, uh, the two paths that we can take. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to kind of sum up everything that's been set up into this point. And I think that's why it's just such a popular saying nowadays. Mm -hmm. The golden rule. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
Yeah, so Stephen already wet our appetite some for this, but Lord willing, in the next podcast, we're going to wrap it all up, and Jesus is going to give kind of teachings in twos. Uh, You can either do this, or you can do this. You can do this, or you can do this, and he does it in four different ways. So Lord willing, we'll jump into that next week. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, If you would like to hear about some other online Bible studies you can join right now, uh, check out CapitalCityChristians.com. We've got different things through the week. Or if you'd like to talk to us personally, 717-585-0949 or email us at CapitalCityChristians at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.